and life is too freaking short you can create the next biggest company whatever and the next day you may not even be alive to see it i mean steve jobs you know like apple is still going but jonathan died the night before the first showing on broadway and he was 35. this man created something that ran 12 years broadway if you create something that comes from the heart chances are you're gonna find an audience that resonates with it as well why hello there today we are doing something a little different something i'm really excited about because the vision moving forward is to have more conversations with other creators out in the field to be honest, I get tired of hearing myself talk about creative process and all the fun things so much. And I feel like a great way to sort of break that is to have these conversations and get insights from other creators. And I'm specifically really excited about this one. We talk a lot about the hurdles that come with being a creator. So if you're a creator and you're just getting started or if you've already started and maybe you feel like you're alone, I think that this podcast can really help you. And at the end of the episode, I have a very special announcement, so stay tuned till the end. Without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the podcast and hear a little bit more about Ricky. Hi guys, my name is Ricky, Ricky Rivera to be exact. Um, I am a support engineer. I recently, well, kind of recently, it's been a couple years now, but I switched from healthcare to tech in 2021. And I'm also a YouTuber. I guess I'm content creator. I, I do YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, dabble in all the content creation things. Um, yeah. Thank you for having me, Ashton. It's yeah, pretty exciting. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, how would you describe your style of content or maybe your interest in content? And what led you to that point? Oh my gosh. I think my style of content is like, I mean, to put it into one word, it's vlogs like lifestyle vlogs. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm still playing around with it because, gosh, vlogs look so different now than they did before. Well, like they do and they don't. So I feel like a few years ago, vlogs were just purely, you know, this is what we're doing. This is what the day looks like, which to to a sense or to to an extent is still kind of the same thing as vlogs now. But I think vlogs now just have a little bit more of an analytical Mm. um kind of aspect to it in terms of like seo and um making sure that's all in place and you have all the right keywords and, and all that so there's a little bit more technical aspect to it um but also as a beginner youtuber you don't really think of those things anyways um so i guess i my my style is more of like vlogs the style i want to have a little different <laughs> it looks different my vision um, for the future, especially probably within the next year or so, is to put out more educational content, um, but educational in terms of like my experience and the journey that I went through in order to get to X, Y, and Z. So for example, one of the pillars that I have right now is career, right? Because I, um, I switched careers and I feel very strongly about being in a career that you don't have to be super crazy passionate about. Um, but can give you, you know, like the work-life balance that you desire in order to do other things with your life. Um, when I was in healthcare, I saw so much of work, 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 and not enough life. Um, 
I feel like that's just the nature of the system, unfortunately, that a lot of doctors are overworked, um, especially physical therapists, overworked, underpaid. Um, or if they do want to get paid the big bucks, they have to go through this just like phase of a few years of just having to just work themselves to the ground. And, you know, I thought to myself, like in my 20s, I don't know if I do if I want that. And I don't know if I loved physical therapy enough to want to be in that field. And also not to mention accrue so much student loans on top of the undergraduate student loans that I already had. Um, so you know, stepping back and trying to think of, okay, well, what else can I do? Um, and leaning into kind of like the more technical side of my interests and becoming a support engineer. That's when I realized like your career doesn't have to be your life. <laughs> like your life can be entirely separate. Like you can absolutely be, you can just have a nine to five clock in and clock out and do something completely different. Um, so I definitely want my channel to go towards that direction of showing that part of my life and sharing that with people because I would hate for for people to kind of live in their 20s or whatever stage in their life just like hating their life and feeling stuck because I don't think you're ever stuck anywhere in any place at all and you can be 50 and change your change your job that's literally what my stepdad's doing right now um so um yeah style more lifestyle, but moving forward, definitely want more educational, but I'm definitely not going to let go of lifestyle content. It's just fun. And it's like almost like a documentary for myself or like a docu-series where later in life, I know I'm going to want to look back into this and be like, oh, what did I do in 2023 or 22 or whatever, whatever year maybe. So what would you say is your overall goal with YouTube? I think personally, I would just love to continue documenting my life and just sharing that because I think there's so much value to learning from other people through seeing what they're going through and like seeing their perspectives. Um, and I feel like that's the beauty of YouTube is you can almost have a conversation with someone without having direct contact with them because of what they share online. Um, you know, like so many people post things about like buying an apartment in Toronto and like, oh, what did my apartment hunting journey look like? What did I look for? What should um, what what should I have thought of before I bought or before I signed on to this apartment and X, Y and Z? Um, and so I feel like that's how I gather information nowadays. Um, and I would just love to be that for somebody else, you know, like if I've learned just within the past couple of years that I'm never alone in the stuff that I've gone through. There's always someone that have gone through it um, or is going to go through it as well. Um, it just looks differently. You know, like we all kind of come from different places, but the, at the end of the day, like I'm not the only one who switched careers, <laughs> you know? Um, so if I could help another person make it easier for them to to do that and not have to go jump through so many hoops that I had gone through then I think I would have done my job so at the end of the day I'd love for YouTube to just be a platform where I'm able to connect with other people and help other people out and really build a community of people who have the same interests as I do and like share the same perspectives and kind of just like grow through life and I mean maybe one of these days you know in 10 years or so I'd love to produce something could be a show it could be a movie not sure what that looks like yet but yeah definitely love to be on the more more on the producing side of things <laughs> what you said is like a a little nugget for the listeners so 
I feel like if you want to start YouTube or you're having trouble figuring out what to create content about, it's always helpful to lean into what you already know, sort of. So like reflecting on your experiences and creating content that's almost directed towards your younger self. Like what does my younger self uh, need in terms of career transitions? What is um, something that you wish you could have told yourself three years ago? In 2020? Gosh, Sorry, there's years. a lot of things I wish I would have told myself in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. I think if I could just go back in time, I'd tell myself, if anything, to start YouTube sooner. Because in 2020, I had all the time. Um, <laughs> and to be fair, I did do something creative. I did stream on Twitch for most of the year. Um, so I was kind of in the content creation space. But um, I I feel like, the, I you know, when I look back on my backlog and like the hard drives that I have, I have so much content. Like I have so many videos from 2020 that I never put together um, or even in 2021 that I feel like. I mean, I love looking at the raw videos now, but it would have been kind of nice to like look back on the actual like put together final video. But like, you know, when I talk about this, like I wish I was able to look back on that process and really see it instead of just kind of talking about it with people. Because um, that's just, I don't know, I just love reliving those memories. Um, so yeah, going back, going back in time, I definitely would tell myself to start sooner. <laughs> Before you started, what do you think held you back? Um, I think it was definitely just a lot of self-doubt. I mean, one of the reasons why I started Twitch was also because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to be a content creator because I had just done it for so many years and I've seen people do it. And I always look at people's videos and be like, oh, I could do that too. But I think I just had a lot of doubt because I just hadn't, I think I hadn't worked through the judgment and expectations that people had um I guess of me when I was in high school you know people were constantly pressuring me to be this kind of an influencer or they would tease me like oh you're always cre like creating content you're always taking videos and when I think about that now I'm like that was not a bad thing <laughs> to say you know but you know people people can be mean so I let it get to my head and I, I don't think I I had built up enough confidence within myself to say, you know, it doesn't matter what people think. This is what I want to do. Um, so finally, I kind of let that go. And in 2022, which is ironically the, the year I posted the least amount of videos <laughs> in the past couple of years, um, I kind of uh, sat down with myself and got real with addressing those issues that were more internal um, and telling myself that I need to set a solid foundation for knowing why I'm doing this. And knowing and reminding myself that I love to do this because those the judgment, the, the quote unquote haters, I guess you could say, they're not going to go away. And they're in every comment section. And even if they're not there now, they will be later. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, you know, I, I think I've through also OVF, like with your um your course that you've created and we've kind of created together too, like it's really helped me kind of hone into the why and the the more intentional way of kind of going about content creation. Um, and I think that's helped me a lot. And I think that's what propels me forward to this day and gives me a lot more confidence that 
even if this video flops, it doesn't really matter as long as there's something that I learned from it. Um, Because the opposite happens too, where it takes off, but I don't like it. (laughs) Like, I don't like the fact that it Mm. took off. Like, and this is not on YouTube, but on um, Instagram Reels, I posted like a engagement video when um, when Sean and I got engaged and this was in 2021. So I was still not even on short form. Just it was just like a fun thing that I did. And I got so caught up in the fact that it got like 30,000 views that I was getting stressed out about how to follow it up. And everybody was like, well, you need to start talking about weddings. But we weren't wedding planning at the time. So I was like, I don't want to talk about weddings. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was one of those things where I realized you can't let the numbers get to your head or at least just be mindful that sometimes things are going to take off when you don't want them to. And sometimes they're not going to when you do want them to. And it's just just part of the game at the end of the day. And as long as you're constantly creating and you're constantly learning as a creator, then that's all that matters. How do you balance your intention with the natural human's obsession with results? (laughs) It's a lot of God, it's a lot of like keeping your eye on the prize, you know, and that's what I've learned that literally past week and a half or so, I realized that the first quarter of the year and I keep track of quarters because of work, you know, and a nine to five, our business operates in quarters. And so I realized like, you know what, let me just sync up my, my personal business, my personal content stuff to my nine to five. And when we started to talk in my nine to five about quarter two and setting goals for quarter two, I realized like, holy cow, quarter one's over or almost over. It'll be over at the end of March. So when we started setting like new goals and kind of recalibrating at work, I realized like maybe I need to do the same thing for my business, for my personal goals and my YouTube goals and things like that. Um, And so I've been spending the past week and a half just on a Google calendar and this new um, task management system that I've stumbled upon called Sunsama. And it's amazing to me because it just helps me kind of see everything that I need to do and organize everything. It's also helped me set the goals that I, I want for myself within the next three months. So I guess it's really just setting the big goal and then breaking it down to chunks. And there's a saying <laughs> that goes, how do you, I think it was, it's like translated from a Chinese maybe proverb maybe or something where it's like, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it piece by piece, which is basically just like you take this big picture thing and you chunk it down into bite-sized pieces. And I guess another analogy would be like, how do you build a house like brick by brick, right? Like you can't just throw it all on there and it's already put together. Like you have to do the work of like, making sure that you have whatever you need for it to stick properly and for it to be set properly and, you know, doing all of those things. So I guess it's just like keeping your eyes on the prize and with content, it's almost like you need to be in the middle of meeting yourself and your audience in the middle of doing what you like and creating what you like, but then also giving them what they like to see. Um, And it's a constant battle of like, it's almost like a push and pull. Um, you know, it's like the, just the constant like ebb and flow of like content, but I feel like once you get to that rhythm, it gets a lot easier. I can, I can only say this from TikTok experience because I don't genuinely do not think I've posted enough on YouTube to feel that ebb and flow with my audience. Um, but from 
what I've gathered on TikTok and a little bit of what I've gathered on YouTube. Um, yeah, there just has to be a balance between like, I'm going to make this because I want to make it even if it doesn't perform well. And I'm going to make this because this is what the audience wants. Um, and so that gives you the flexibility to be able to create with the freedom and allow yourself to be creatively, I guess, like free to just like make whatever you want. But also there's a little bit of strategy to where like you're giving the audience a little bit of what they like as well. Um, I want to touch on this really quick before I lose it. But when you had said that it's easier to kind of create content that resonates with people. Um, sorry, it's easier to kind of create content about things that you already know because in, it's easier to like res for that content to resonate with people um, because it's like real life experiences. It reminded me of Tick, Tick, Boom. Have you seen that musical at all? So Jonathan, or what about Rent? Have you seen that? Are you into musicals? <laughs> not really. Okay. <laughs> Chances are I might not know any of yeah. these. <laughs> but basically in the, in the film, Jonathan Larson, the way he started Broadway or started becoming a writer was he wrote about this like scientific out of space type of like story and he called it superbia or something like that he ended up breaking up with his girlfriend in the process and this was also the time when AIDS was like coming up out of like the LGBT or the gay community and, and there's just a lot of things that were going on in New York City at the time um, he puts on the show a bunch of people come a bunch of producers come big people come and when he calls his manager he's expecting someone to say I'm going to write you a check we're going to put this on Broadway his manager calls, hey, you did a great job. And he's like, that's it? Like, that's it? And she said, you write your next one. And he's just discouraged and he feels like shit. And she said, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, a word of advice, write something that you know about. And so the next one he writes is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is, a musical or a play about his entire experience writing Superbia, which is essentially the movie. That's why it's hard to explain because it's almost like Inception. Right. Um, but it's just so good because Tick to Boom was so good because it was about his experience and it was about him breaking up with his girlfriend and finding out his best friend has AIDS and fearing that his best friend was going to die and seeing tons of his friends die of AIDS and you know, just being a struggling writer in New York City and writing this play. And then the night before the play, you're about you're supposed to have this one really big piece written and your lights go off and you have no electricity because you haven't paid the rent because you have no money. So you need this play. And it's just it's crazy the way it's written. And I just wanted to share that with you and with our audience, because it's a true testament that what sticks with people is it's like true life experiences, right? It's like, and it's just really, it's so true. Like you, if you create something that comes from the heart that is genuine, that, you know, you resonate with, chances are you're going to find an audience that resonates with it as well. And it's just going to make the job so much easier. And it's going to make it so much easier for you to find your people versus when you create content that you think you should be doing that you think you should be creating that you don't really resonate with like people are going to catch on to that 
or you're going to catch on to that and you're not going to stick with the schedule or you will and then you'll burn out. It's really important for you to create content, whatever that looks like, YouTube, TikTok, you can write music, whatever, um, that really resonates with you first and then resonates with your audience second. It brings up the point that nobody can take your story from you. So if you if you don't know where to start, just reflect on your story and talk about different things. I was reminded through a podcast the other day that there's so many things that every single person knows because of their experiences that they think everybody else knows, but they don't. And even the most, the smallest details that seem so obvious to you are completely not in somebody's head. Like they are, they are in a totally different place. So I love the fact that you brought that up because I think it's so important because it's going to help you avoid the self-sabotage because nobody can take that story from you. You can't be rational with your dreams. In order to achieve your dream, you have to have a relationship with risk because a dream is something that you just have not done before, right? And speaking of the unknown, and you need to be able to lean into that fear. It's really when, you know, they say take a leap of faith. That's literally what it is. And to your point too, like sometimes like you don't, you just have to kind of, and being an artist, you just have to trust where your creativity is going. Like for me right now, I feel like I have a shit ton of bricks and I don't have a house, you know? And like, I feel like I've laid out the foundation and I've rearranged the foundation 20 million different times in the past, like 10 years I've been trying to do YouTube. But now it's time for me to take the 20 million other bricks that I've created, which are basically just ideas that are in my head and start laying them down on that foundation so then I can eventually have a house. And the if we're going with this analogy, you know, the beauty about being a creator is you can, it's like Legos, it's like it's not permanent bricks. They're basically Legos. So you can rearrange this house that you've built for yourself and your community and your your content creator, I don't know, persona, and you can rearrange it however you want. And that's the beauty of, you know, like having different content pillars. Like I have so many friends and I've seen this all over YouTube where content creators will constantly shift their focus. Like there's this guy I follow, his name is Joma Tech, and he does hilarious skits about software engineering and like what it's like to be a software engineer in today's day and age. And during COVID, like he created this kit about like how work from home life is just you're just kind of sitting there and then you just kind of type and then you're just sitting there again. So, you know, he he's known for making these like really funny skits. But now he actually made an announcement that he wants to talk more about news and tech. He did skits for like 20 years. I mean, not 20. That's an exaggeration. But he did skits for a long amount of time. Um, and that could have been just like not even the foundation, but just the the house that he had built at first, like. It's, you know, like a one story type of house, one bedroom, one bath. But now with his news tidbits, maybe it's a two bedroom, two bath. You know what I mean? And sometimes we can get it our way. Sometimes a little, a little too much sometimes. But <laughs> at the end of the day, leaning into that unknown and just trusting the process is huge, gigantic. <laughs> I feel like you'll never regret getting messy and just taking action, but you'll always regret letting your fears stop you from even picking up the first brick. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I say this a lot to people. I I'm a huge foodie, right? Like I love food and I have friends that like have never tried things and they're just like, ew, no gross. And I always tell them like, don't knock it until you try it. 
And I think it's the same thing for content. Like, I think this was me before um, TikTok came around or when, when TikTok first started, I was like, ew, short form, I'm never going to do that. And now YouTube has a shorts app, you know, and they're starting to push that a little bit more. And so now I'm like, okay, you know what, let me give this a little bit of a try. And then when I did try TikTok, I actually really did enjoy it. Um, I'd say that I still love long form more, just the I think there's a little bit more of a complete creative process when it comes to long form. Um, but again, I was one of those people that was like, oh, I'm never going to make TikToks. And then now I'm TikToks. <laughs> so. I can relate. I can totally relate. I, I, right. I specifically remember myself telling all the people I knew with confidence, I'm never doing TikTok. I'm <laughs> never doing TikTok because I see how it takes control of people's addictive behaviors and I'm not going to do it. Here I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, well, I guess never say never. <laughs> That's actually a perfect segue because I was going to ask you a little bit about what your thoughts are between about the difference between short form and long form. So I know you sort of said it, that you love long form more. Can you elaborate more on maybe your experience with short form, what that was like to actually start with TikTok, maybe things that you've learned? I think that with YouTube, it's just a little bit more holistic. Um, you get to deep dive into topics a lot more. Like I, I did a video for OVF, right? That was like, you don't know how, you don't know where to start or how to start switching careers in tech. Here are three things to think about. And I like breeze by all three. And for someone that's looking for a quick, like, I just need to know three quick things, then that's that's for you. That's where TikTok comes into play. But for someone who wants to sit and listen into my story and hear what it was actually like to switch and what, you know, maybe there are some other obstacles or like examples of how you can apply this tip to your your journey. Um, like, I think I say something about like networking, like go ahead and network, look for somebody that switched careers and just have a coffee chat with them. And then for TikTok, that's all I'd say. I'd just say, um, here's a quick tip for how uh, you can switch career, find out if this career is for you, schedule a coffee chat with someone. And then for YouTube, it's like, I can dive deeper into why, I can dive deeper into how, I can tell people you can look on Twitter, I can tell people you can look on LinkedIn. Like there's just so much more content like if you think about it tiktok is like a trailer and youtube is the movie mm. and i think you've said this you've used this analogy before and I, I remember it because it really stuck with me and tiktok is kind of like running into someone at the grocery store and having small talk with them like hey how are you doing how's your dog how's your life you know that kind of thing and youtube is where you invite people into your house for a barbecue <laughs> and so um yeah i just um i think there's definitely there's definitely value to both, right? Because if anything, I feel like short form has just added to the space. It's just another form of content. If you think about what Instagram was, Instagram was just a photo platform, right? Like before TikTok or Vine even, it was Instagram for photos, YouTube for videos. And then you have your other like platforms that a lot of people don't really know about like Vimeo and you know all these other apps that people post on. Um, and then TikTok came out with the short form videos <laughs> and it's just another form of creative content that someone created. It's almost like you have a fork, you have a spoon and you have a spork. 
you know so <laughs> it's there's different ways like it's these tools are meant for other people and I've also seen this where people have been saying the way you approach TikTok content should not be the same way you approach Instagram Reels content and especially because the viewers are typically different for both of those platforms Instagram is more millennial leaning TikTok's more Gen Z leaning so you're kind of speaking to two different people you know when you're creating content and so your strategy should not be the same YouTube is the same thing where YouTube is for the people that are like me who will sit and watch a 20-minute video about a day in the life as a content creator or a business owner or an entrepreneur. Or I just sat and before this call, I just sat and listened to six habits that will um, six habits of a millionaire or something like that. And it doesn't involve waking up early, you know. And so she, I think it might have been a maybe 12 to 15-minute video. Um, and I genuinely enjoyed that. I was like, you know what? That's like low-key bite-sized, bite-sized in a sense where it's not a 40-minute podcast episode, um, but it was bite-sized enough for me. And I feel like I really got to know the person and who I was watching because they were able to dive deep into the story that they had about how they were you know, wanting to go into Wall Street and then realize they actually want to help people with personal finance. And now this is where they're at in, in their YouTube and content creation career. And the beauty about YouTube, too, is that, I mean, I guess you could do this for TikTok as well. But with YouTube, you can add more elements to it. Like you could do, you know, like voice. There's just I just feel like there's a little bit more creativity that you could do with voiceovers and adding B-roll and getting a lot more cinematic. Again, people on TikTok have gotten really creative and there's some cinematic shit I've seen on TikTok. But just as a platform in general, too, it's like if I'm looking for cinematic content, TikTok is not my go to. YouTube is my go to. How could somebody implement the story into it with while also keeping it short form? Do you think it's possible or do you think that they should just kind of lean towards YouTube? What are your thoughts on that? I think it's possible, but then you'd have to, it would end up being three separate videos. So if I wanted, if I gave three tips and I wanted to share and dive deeper into those three tips, it would have to be three separate videos. And sometimes that's, I mean, I feel like that's okay because sometimes sometimes I click on a YouTube video and if it's like six habits, the first four I've already done, I've already implemented. And there's just these last two that, oh, it's a new thing in my workflow or in my workday. So I feel like in a sense, TikTok can kind of be the same thing where maybe you didn't need tip one and two, but you really needed three. And so here's three in depth. And so, you know, like that kind of a format I feel like could work. And I know there are They've also extended the time that you can post a TikTok video. Um, I know I know the 10-minute thing is a thing right now, but I, I don't plan on posting 10-minute videos, but at least like sometimes I talk about something and it's a, I keep it to about a minute tops because um, I feel like that's when it's like digestible, but still able to do a little bit of a deep dive. Um, but it's not like too long to where it's like, okay, I need to go on YouTube. <laughs> Right. And I think if you just think about the design and the nature of the platform, TikTok, like you just have the habit to scroll and like cool dopamine hit, cool dopamine hit, cool dopamine hit. YouTube, it's like you have to prepare yourself to sit down. It's like I watch YouTube a lot when I'm eating lunch or dinner, which is probably not the greatest habit. But, you know, that to my point, it's like I can grab a bite to eat and sit and watch a YouTube video. I can't really do that with TikTok. I would say it's not a bad idea if you are not, 
you haven't created any pieces of content yet, maybe start with short form, you know, like kind of get used to the process of doing really bite-sized videos, hone in on the process and then convert that process to the long format. Cause that reflecting on my journey, that actually helped me a lot whenever I took a break from YouTube and just did TikTok. That creative process ended up um, translating back into YouTube and made me a lot more intentional. So maybe that could be something worth thinking about if you're listening to this and you are just having a tough time wrapping your head around the idea of creating a 10 minute video. Like what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I, I feel that pain. Maybe just start with, you know, start small, start on the topics that, you know, are relative to your experiences, share them with the world and get in the habit of just pressing record. And if you want to dabble into YouTube, which I highly recommend because of just the holistic aspect to it and your ability to connect with people on a deeper level, invite them into your home, right? Right. If we just have like a lot of surface level relationships and we don't have our best friend that we can invite for the weekend, we might feel like there's a little bit of gap or that could just be me personally. Um, would you say that there was something specific about the creative process in your experience about short form that helped you with YouTube? I think being fearless is easier on short form because you don't have to you just don't have to keep people's attention for long as long as you do on YouTube. So I feel like it's a good platform to practice being authentic and like being yourself. And I even stumbled upon this TikTok that said, this guy has been posting on TikTok every day for the past year. And this is the first time I've ever run into his video. Um, but he's been posting every day for the past year because he's speaking, he's practicing his public speaking skills. And he said, so I'm just going to speak. You're going to carry me out if you want to. If not, you have free will. You can literally scroll past this, this video. So he's practicing that. And he's also practicing how to not give a shit about what other people say, um, which I, I think, again, is easier on TikTok than it is on YouTube. Um, so I, I think that's really helped me. Um, also, the whole process about like batching content has really helped me. And I learned that through TikTok for some reason, not YouTube. <laughs> um but just the, f and it doesn't have to be like you have to record 12 videos in a day. Um, cause for TikTok, that's doable, right? Especially if they're only like six seconds each. But for YouTube, 12 minute videos or 12, 12 videos, 10 minutes each, like that's a lot of videos. Um, but it's more so just like batching your tasks, um, into your days. Um, it makes things a lot easier and a lot more seamless and a lot more focused. And it's also a lot more sustainable than just like, editing three videos in one day, filming three videos in this day, and then posting it all on this day. Like having a set schedule and a little bit of a structure has definitely helped. And I, funny enough, learned that through short form. For me personally, one of the things that I really struggled with um, in the beginning was the writing phase, um, like creating structure for the video. God, I struggle with that so much. Um, and I, I, my perfectionism, like felt the need to overcompensate in it and it ended up like destructing the authentic vision that I had for it. So is there anything in your experience that you struggled with in regards to the creative process? I think I struggle with the scripting part and it's not even scripting in a sense where like you have to script word for word, what you're going to say, but I think just kind of thinking about like, what is my point here and what is this? 
message I'm gonna, I, I want to relay to the, the audience because I think the approach that I used to have that burned me out really fast was that I'll just press record and I'll kind of record whatever and then I'll just go off of that which is fine when you're filming but then when you're editing oh my Ooh, god yeah. I know it's you're so about. hard and then like I end up realizing like oh shit I just went on a tangent for like three minutes so then I take that part out but then when you take out the three minute tangent now your video doesn't make any sense so it's like <laughs> you know it's like what what was I trying to say here um so definitely like scripting but scripting in a sense where you just like bullet point what you were trying to say I, I feel like even having just like a guideline um, like an outline yeah that's what I've been trying to implement into just my creative process um because it I definitely get into that mode though where I am basically writing a blog post but then I have to remind myself, like, I'm not going to say this how I see it unless I have a teleprompter. Um, and even if I did, it just wouldn't be as fun. <laughs> so um, having a guideline is definitely a lot easier. So that's I would say that's something that I'm trying to work on right now. I always struggle when I watch videos and I can tell they're reading off a teleprompter. <laughs> uh, I try to look past it to just hear the message. But do you feel like it's better <laughs> if people were to say, like, I have my notes here, like, like if they announce, like, for example, if I have my phone, right? And then we're like, I'm the, pretend this is a YouTube video. And I'm like, hey, guys, like something tips, whatever. I have my notes here. So if I'm looking down, that's why. Or if like I show you blah, 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 blah. I think is that better. Okay. So the way I see it is if somebody's talking and they're genuinely like looking at the camera and connecting with me and then I notice them look to the side every now and then, like, that's cool, man. Like, I totally get it. I totally understand, you know, but when it feels like you never look into my eyes, I think that's something that I struggle with as a viewer and even in person, that's always been like a pet peeve. Like when I talk to people, I want there to be eye connection and I want us to be like in the moment together. And when it's not, I feel a gap and I feel like, okay, it's hard to soak in the message. But personally, I've been so back and forth on like, oh, I wish I had a teleprompter because it would make the the filming process easier, right? Oh my God. I just like fantasize about how easy it would be or simple, more simple. I wouldn't say easy, but it'd be much simpler if I just had something like literally telling me what to say. But I feel that in my experience, when I've done things similar to that, like sometimes I've put the phone right next to the lens and kind of like just reflected on it and talked. I actually went through that process with OVF and I felt like I started to become robotic in a way when I was, when I had t typed out a full script and I was trying to say exactly the points. Cause I see so both sides of the, the argument. Like I see how scripting can benefit the viewer because you're getting all the details in order, it's structured and everything. But I also see a lot of value in someone just literally talking from their heart. I actually do agree with that too. It's like, and it's all, sometimes it's hard too because like people are really good at it or you can't tell like they're reading off That's of something. That's true. Um, but I do agree that I like the the it's it's more of a feeling I feel like actually it's almost like you have to be a good reader like you know how news anchors have a voice it's like an anchor voice and then they speak behind screen and they like sound completely different. <laughs> I feel like it's almost the same thing with like YouTube like it's like a customer service voice. You know, when like we're talking regularly like this and then you pick up the phone, it's like, hi, welcome to Starbucks. My name is Ricky. Can I take your order? Like, it's very different. Um, so I feel like with YouTube, it's the same thing. Um, 
And the people that have, I feel like I've been practicing it for a really long time, have gotten really good at having that voice and masking the fact that they're reading something because as they're reading it, they're reading it as if they're speaking to you. And I think that's the difference is that when it's scripted to the T, you can tell because it's written writing. Like when you read a book, like an actual like self-help book, that's not how you speak to people, you know, like it's very structured. It's very like grammatically correct. You could just tell there's not as much of a flow versus when you are just speaking like this, kind of like this podcast episode. And I feel like I've done this before where I, I don't know if you you remember the video that I posted or I haven't posted it, but I submitted for OVF, but that one was actually scripted too. I wrote every single line, but the way that I spoke it was, I spoke it as if I was like talking about it on the fly. Um, so I think it's, it just takes some practice and some skill. Um, it's almost like acting, which like, I don't like saying that because then it sounds like you're putting up a front, but at the same time, it's almost just like you're practicing it for a presentation. Like no one wants to sit through a presentation where the person doesn't know what they're talking about or they're constantly like, um, what's my next point again? And they're looking at like the next bullet point, you know, um, but you also don't want to be in a presentation where they're just reading off the slides. You want a presentation where you get a little bit on the screen and you're able to kind of see them talk impromptu. So in a sense, like, yeah, I, I guess it's kind of like, I agree with you. It's like a love and hate relationship thing. But I think it all comes down to the delivery of it. So I feel like as long as you have that, and it's all about intention too, right? Because like, as you're writing the script, you have to keep in mind, like, is this how I talk? And if it's not, then you maybe you have to change it if you're going to be reading off of it. Um, so I think uh, if I were to get a teleprompter, it's probably what I end up doing. <laughs> is there a specific message that you keep in mind whenever you're filming those voiceovers or those videos? Like, what would you recommend someone keep in mind if they're saying out loud their first script ever? But you are going to be uncomfortable listening to yourself edit. So the, the number one tip I have is to love your voice and love your voice because not everybody has it. You know, not everybody has the privilege to be able to speak their thoughts, their opinions, their perspectives. And it's a gift to be able to say what you want to say and to be able to, you know, share your story. And so even though it's cringy at first, like that was the biggest thing for me was learning to love my voice when and I love how this is coming together full circle. But when I first started to get teased about singing I hated my voice I started to just like hate the fact that I was singing and I was just so um critical about myself and even in hindsight even though I was a little flat in most of the songs I'd listen and I'm like I'm flat but my pitch is there <laughs> I'm not tone deaf like I'm it, the tones go up when they're supposed to and they come down like you know I I could you know probably score a pretty high score in guitar hero or whatever so you know like I, in hindsight like years later i look back and i'm like wow if i had just continued and developed my voice i'd probably have an album out you know um so it's the same thing like i, I didn't want to feel that way towards youtube i wanted to I, I really just embraced what i sounded like and nowadays sometimes i get a little bit frustrated with myself when i have the tendency to run on tangents or I will be frustrated with myself when I'm editing and I have 
like so many likes or I do the whole thing where I just repeat the same thing twice. I'm just very redundant and I'm like editing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I was just a better speaker. But at the same time, the only way to get better is to keep doing it. Um, so yeah, just get comfortable with yourself. Really just, you gotta like yourself enough to post online. You know what I mean? Like you gotta be your, yourself's number one fan. Like who, who else is going to put that first like that first comment, like nobody else, but you, you know, you have to, to show up for yourself before you expect everybody else to show up because whatever you put out into the world, you get back. So that's going to be my advice. Like just also life is too short. <laughs> um, like going back to Jonathan Larson, like he turned 30 when he finished Tick, Tick, Boom or when he wrote Tick, Tick, Boom. And then he wrote Rent, which ran for 12 years on Broadway. But Jonathan died the night before the first showing on Broadway. And he had an aortic aneurysm. It's like one of those just things that happened. He was 35. And so when I watch that, I recommend you watch that film because I mean, you I feel like you could appreciate it from just a filmmaker standpoint. In a writer standpoint, I was just bawling. I was like, I am never wasting a day in my life worrying about if anyone's going to like my video. I'm just going to fucking post it because this man created something that ran 12 years Broadway for 12 years and he wasn't even alive to see it. And that's the kind of legend that he was, you know. And so, again, life is just too short. You never know what you're going to create. And, you know, at the end of the day, I want to leave this world having an impact on it. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I put myself out there. So I encourage every single one of you listening to this to do the exact same thing, whether that's one or a thousand people. Um, Yeah, that's kind of my message for you all. (laughs) For the listener's sake, can you say the name of those plays again? Tick, Tick, Boom is the the play that is kind of turned into a movie. Um, It's on Netflix. I'm not uh-huh. in the play. I'm not in the movie. I'm not in the show. I'm just, this is not sponsored. <laughs> um, I feel like Jimmy Fallon does that. He's like, oh, so you're in this movie. And then they like, they, they kind of advertise the movie. Um, but yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, and um, yeah, you'll you'll see the, everything that I talked about on there, including like Suburbia and Rent. Um, and it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is also another really, really great guy who directed like Hamilton and or wrote Hamilton and all of that. So it's it's awesome. What is the number one thing that you are grateful that you did along your creative journey? It's hard. Yeah. I'm at a point in my life where I just I love it. You know, I really do love the work. I think the number one thing would really just be to. OK, top three. Number one would be reaching out to people single-handedly the best thing I've ever done in my life in my creative journey and my career I know so many people you included um that I've known because of social media you know or I mean I know we didn't necessarily run into each other on YouTube but we ran into each other on TikTok um and I have a friend also who um I found on on YouTube and she was only under I think maybe a thousand followers at the time and now she's at 25k and she's invited to my wedding. So, you know, it's like I really made some lifelong friends along the way. And she lives in Virginia. So it's like we live in opposite sides. Of the- and you live in Texas. I'm in California. Like, you know, it's just such an amazing thing. So that's definitely one thing that I, I'm so happy and thankful that I did is that I had that courage to just reach out and 
and say hi and introduce myself and say, hey, like I resonated with X, Y, and Z, you know, like maybe we could talk a little bit more about it. And eventually like for you and I, like we ended up working together on something and I I feel like it's just, it's been going really well. And now we're like content creator friends. (laughs) Um, And you can even say like friends outside of content, you know? So I just like really appreciate that. And it wouldn't be possible if I never put myself out there. Um, The second one would just be to allow myself to share my story. I think I feared sharing my story because there was a little bit of a sense of, I wouldn't say shame or guilt, but almost like that where I felt like my story was not worth telling. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I felt this a lot when I was in college because I didn't know what I was doing. And so I felt like because I didn't know what I was doing, I wasn't worthy enough to share my story because I was not, like a nobody. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. So who would listen to me? And then I realized I should have said something because everybody doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> and so it would have been so much easier for me to probably go through college less lonely if I had told people like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And then everybody else is like, oh, me too, you know, because there's especially all the college stuff and speaking pre-COVID college. I know college looks different post-COVID, but yeah, there's just a lot of things that I feel like I was able to accept about myself because I was, I allowed myself to share my story. And I think in sharing my story, it was almost also like I'm stripping away the judgment that comes from other people and the fear that I had of those those judgments um, because I was kind of like taking control of the narrative. Like, no, I didn't know what I was doing. No, it's not that I didn't know what I was doing, which is why I switched careers. It's actually because I knew what I wanted to do. And that's why I switched careers. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the second thing. And number three, which is two, just just press record and edit the damn thing (laughs) it's actually so fun if you freaking do it you know um and so I I think those are my 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 top three (laughs) throughout that journey the question that I have for you to sort of wrap this up is let's say that there's somebody out there listening right now and they are still dealing with self-doubt they are still like okay just press record I can figure it out (sighs) I don't know. I just don't think I can do it or I'm lacking the confidence to do it. What would you say to that person? I would tell them to kind of take a look inside themselves and figure out what it is they're scared of. Because if it's your parents, if it's your friends, you know, like it changes depending on what you're scared of. Um, And I don't know. I just do a really deep dive on that. Why? And then from there, you can kind of, you can work through it. Like for me, right, I was like scared of other people's judgment. And that included my family. Um, I know I have family who watched my YouTube videos. <laughs> and it took a long time for me to be comfortable talking about, about that. Because like now they're like, oh, are you going to post it on YouTube? And I'm like, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. But before it was like, they comment on my YouTube videos or they text me after they watch it. And I just feel the cringe. And then I realized like, hey, they're out here supporting me. Like not a lot of family members do that. Um, at least like from from my perspective right I was like you know like not everybody's aunt watches their YouTube videos so it's um I I don't know I just lean into the fear and ask why and 
kind of realized that resistance brews strength. So if you're uncomfortable, if you are just not used to it, um, the only way to do it is to practice. The only way to practice um, or the only way to get rid of people's judgments or like the fear of is to practice not giving a shit about it. So um, yeah, I just want to empower people to just do whatever makes you happy. It makes your heart happy. Like again, life is too freaking short. You don't know. You really just don't know. You can create the next biggest piece of anything, art, company, whatever. And the next day, you may not even be alive to see it come to fruition or be as big as it is. Like, I I don't know if like, I mean, Steve Jobs, you know, like Apple is still going and he like took a bet on himself and he went through a lot of like different just phases of self-doubt and failure. And at the end of the day, still it's it was the first company that hit a billion dollars and he wasn't allowed to see it you know so yeah just love yourself enjoy the process and remember that you are your biggest fan so yeah well ricky said it best you guys (laughs) i absolutely love all that advice i resonate with it 100 percent um if you are still struggling with those limiting beliefs and maybe you don't know where to start you're afraid of the fear of judgment. You just wish that you could create the thing without all of the demons in your mind. First of all, realize that you're not alone. <laughs> Even people who are still creating still deal with that. I actually want to make an announcement that if you're struggling with those things, I'm actually releasing the organic video formula on YouTube for free. So that <laughs> more people can get over the limiting beliefs that they have. And I actually meant to tell you this. I meant to tell you this before we got to the call, but I forgot. Yeah, I decided to make it completely free uh, because I feel like it could really help people. And, you know, I remember you telling me at one point, like you could see it on YouTube. And so I was reflecting on that and I was thinking, well, you know, the organic video formula is more so like a, get over your limiting beliefs, develop a mindful routine, develop a process that excites you. And I just want that to be available to everybody. It will be shortly released after this podcast. So yeah, I can scream. I'm not going to because it's going to blow up people's speakers. (laughs) So yeah, if you're, if you're struggling with that, just keep an eye out for that. If uh, you're not subscribed, make sure to subscribe so you can stay tuned. Anything else you wanted to say to wrap this up, Ricky? No, I'm just so excited. Oh my gosh, people, check it out because it is absolutely life-changing. Um, I have so many great things to say about OVF. I can't even wrap my brain around it right now because I'm just so happy that you're doing this. Um, I think that you're you're definitely gonna the viewers out there, you guys are you guys are gonna love it. If you're even just slightly feeling like you don't know where to start, or you feel like I just need somebody to help me get through these fears that I have, OVF is 110% for you. And it could be someone just starting out from scratch, someone that's kind of dabbled with content and, um, you know, has posted here and there, but just kind of need a little bit more structure. Someone like me who has been on YouTube for 10 damn years and just need a little bit more of that push and that structure and that community to propel myself forward. Um, yeah, it is, it is, it is a place for everybody. I think you guys are going to, you guys are going to like it for sure. 
Well, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. I hope it's helpful. I hope you'll enjoy it. Keep an eye out, eye out for it soon. Um, where can f- people find your YouTube channel, your Instagrams, and your TikTok? <laughs> yeah, so I'm at Ayo. It's Rick's. That's A-Y-O. <laughs> I-T-S-R-I-K-S. And if you can't find me, you'll find me on Ashton's following list. So, (laughs) (laughs) And there you have it. Thank you, Ricky, for all those words of wisdom. I truly hope that it helped you a lot because it is so easy to just get in our own way as creatives. Keep an eye out for the first module of the organic video formula. If you want to stay tuned for that and receive updates on when it's released and also gain access to the worksheets inside of the modules. All you need to do is just click the link in my description and I will keep you posted on everything that you need to know and I'll also guide you through the journey of becoming the creator that you truly want to be. Before I hop off, let me know down in the comments, what was your favorite takeaway? What was your favorite insight that Ricky had to say? I would love to hear from you and I'm sure that Ricky would love to hear your thoughts as well. Thank you so much for watching this video and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.